Hello, I'm Paul. And I'm Wyatt. And this is Father-Son 49ers Talk. How are you doing, Wyatt? Good, how about you? Uh, doing good. So we have had a hiatus of like, I don't know, a year. We did podcast during the off-season last year, maybe the first couple games. But then we kind of fell off and we kind of didn't do a podcast during one of the greatest 49ers seasons in the last 10 years. Unfortunately, huh, Wyatt? Yeah, I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah, it was kind of unfortunate. So what we're thinking is that uh, I was moving. I moved from Mississippi to Idaho, but then on top of that, I was overseas for a long time during the entire season. So it was just kind of hard between your school and my schedule to kind of get together and do a podcast all the time. Uh, But we talked a lot of 49ers football, but we didn't get to do our podcast, huh? Yeah, for the five minutes we had to talk before you had to go to sleep and... I had to wake up and get to school. Yeah, it was kind of rough. Uh, We made it work a little bit, but we definitely could have been more diligent about the podcast stuff. Anyways, we're still 49ers fans. We're still out there talking 49ers football, watching all the other 49ers content, like nothing but Niners, and uh, Rumble Sports and that kind of stuff, and then listening to the other podcasts. So we want to get back in it, and nobody may be listening, but it's still fun for us. Anyways, today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about, of course, the 49ers offseason, and the offseason's been kind of unusual this year, as everybody knows, because of COVID-19. So there is a lot of parallels between this year and the 2011 season, and we're going to kind of get into that when we talk about this offseason. So the parallels themselves, Wyatt, is that in 2011... You wouldn't really know too much because you were still kind of young. Yeah, I don't remember it per se, but I know the ins, or not the ins and outs. I know the grand scheme of what happened. Just yeah. due to you hear about it when you know football, I guess. Yeah, we were kind of in a quarterback hunt back then because we thought that we were done with Alex Smith after that year. And uh, we hadn't picked up Kaepernick. And uh, this year, we ironically, was in a quarterback hunt, right? Yeah, weirdly. Weirdly, yeah. right? With Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one parallel. That was a parallel I wasn't really thinking about. So we were in a quarterback hunt for Tom Brady. We uh, did some self scouting, but we decided to keep our guy Jimmy G. Right? How do you feel yeah. about that? I'm glad. I I thought it was a joke the whole time until I realized there's actually a few people serious about it. Thought it was a joke. Yeah, I could see that. You know, I was listening to Colin Cowherd, and I don't know if people like Colin Cowherd or not. I kind of like him a little bit. He's kind of just rough, gruff. He says what he thinks, and uh. For the most part, I, I think that he's on point. He has some really interesting points. One of the points that he was talking about is there's only one player in the NFL that's not tradable. Who do you think it is? I don't know. Who would be the one player that's not tradable? Tom Brady, I guess. Is that who he's talking no, about? No, Tom Brady. They just tried. They've tried. Well, then I have no idea. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Oh, okay. That checks. Right? I mean, yeah, could you checks. think of one thing that you would take for Patrick Mahomes where you'd give him up? I mean. Not one thing. I mean, like, lots of things. I would take, like, Russell Wilson in the next 10 first-round picks, but that's a little bit unrealistic. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Not bad. I don't know. I might keep Patrick Mahomes even with that. Let's see. But uh, Russell Wilson, you know, Russell Wilson's one of those that he kind of talked about. But, you know, he kind of got in. I don't want to go into Colin Cowherd thing. That's not what I'm trying to do. But my point is is that pretty much every player in the NFL is tradable to a certain extent. And Tom Brady is one of the greatest of all times. And if you didn't do your due diligence, right, then you're probably not doing your thing as a front office. And that's kind of what the 49ers said. I don't think that they were ever super serious about trading Jimmy Garoppolo or getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo uh, and picking up Tom Brady, but it's something that 
they at least had to take a look at, and I think that's what they did. Well, anyways, back to the COVID, or not just COVID, but back to the offseason. So the similarities is that in 2011, uh, they were negotiating the CBA. And with the CBA, we were not able to have an offseason activities because the, the players' union was in negotiations with the league as far as what the contract between the two was going to be as far as wages, all the rules, and that kind of stuff, right? So since we didn't have an agreed-upon CBA at the time, there was no off-season activity. Well, the parallels are that, ironically, Alex Smith, who was assumed to be just completely off the team, he was kind of seen as a Ryan Leaf figure at that time, and he was... He, he didn't even think that he was going to be on the Niners. So he was a Ryan Leaf uh, kind of figure where he was just a bust, a first round, the first uh, first overall draft pick that was just a bust. And we had just hired uh, Harbaugh. And with Harbaugh coming in, it was assumed that he was just going to move on from Alex Smith. But we didn't have off-season activity, so we didn't have – actually, we actually did have some stuff because we had uh, free agency and stuff like that, but they weren't able to do a lot of that stuff before. So – uh, Alex Smith, while he was assuming that he wasn't going to be on the team, he actually coordinated off-season activities. He coordinated a mini camp. He did all that. He did it for every single player, offense, defense, everything. So they were able to meet with the coaches for just a moment, and Harbaugh gave him the playbooks, and he studied it himself and coordinated an entire mini se- uh, like off-season off off program act- yep, to get the team ready. And then that actually led to him staying on the team and then revitalizing his career, staying with Harbaugh and then moving on to the Chiefs and having just a, a really successful career, you know, a much better career. Without that, he may not have been anything. Well, the similarity in this season is that with COVID-19, right, we don't have off-season, off-season activity. Uh, we are have do We do have more interaction where the coaches actually have the Zoom meetings and stuff like that, but... Jimmy Garoppolo has taken upon himself to kind of lead off-season activities for the passing game. So he actually brought the team together. And in Tennessee. Yeah, in Tennessee, and we ended up with a broken foot, broken ankle, and a COVID outbreak. Okay, so that's what we're going to get into. And that actually kind of matches up a little bit with the 2011 season because some of the older fans may remember that in the 2011 off-season Activities without the coaches, Michael Crabtree broke his foot as well with the same fracture. So we're going to get into that. So Jimmy G coordinating the passing game activities. What do you think? What do you think that says about Jimmy Garoppolo? That he is stepping up as a leader, trying to, I guess, not trying to. He has became the leader of the team. He's being, I guess, what your quarterback should be, per se. Yeah, absolutely. So he's stepping up as a leader of the team. I think he kind of just naturally was from the beginning. He just kind of has that bro kind of leadership quality where he seems to be like a humble dude he's like that uh, that that cool dude but also is kind of like every he's cool with everybody so he's kind of that cool guy that's nice to everybody he doesn't really kind of take it to his head he just kind of has that leadership ability but he's taking a step further hopefully and uh showing that understanding of the passing game and trying to pass it on to the the new the new draft picks and some of the other guys coming back and whatever maybe so that's pretty awesome so then uh, Debo Samuel broke his foot and Richie James uh, broke his wrist during his activities. And then we had a COVID outbreak. So how do you feel about this? How do you feel about the activity? Do you think that it was actually productive for the 49ers to have this passing game activity? Mm, 
I don't know per se because I wasn't there. I don't know how much the rest of the players took from it. But just from the outside looking in, I would say no. We lost our number one receiver for not a huge portion of the season, but for some of the season. Richie James, which is, I mean, he's a return specialist more or less, but he's he's a guy. And then supposedly a COVID outbreak, or at least one guy that has it. So Yeah, potentially a COVID outbreak. We'll see. I like uh, when Zeke, when he got diagnosed with COVID, he was like HIPAA. Like, how do people know that it was COVID, right? I think people just kind of assume, and then maybe people are giving it freely uh, as far as who who uh, has been diagnosed with COVID. We don't know who it was, but we know it was somebody. Anyways, with the Debo Samuel, with the Debo break, right, that kind of opens up a really critical portion of the offense, right? Debo was kind of assumed to be the number one wide receiver for the 49ers going into the season. Right, uh, it opens the door for other people for somebody to step up and kind of take that leadership role uh, over Debo. And who do you think uh, that could be for the 49ers to step in for Debo while he's out for? I've heard up to uh, the fourth week of the regular season, so he'd miss four games, potentially be back on week five. But there's a there's a sliding scale on where that could be, right? Mm. Yeah, you had the Crabtree, which came back from had an amazing year, or the Trent Taylor, which had the same injury, and it took him out the entire year, just setback after setback yeah. after setback. And the other thing about the Debo injury is that it's actually kind of the worst case scenario for that fracture because it's a fracture on his foot, but it's higher up where there's less blood flow. So they say that after that break, um, it, it is a weaker um, healing location. So like the the it'll heal, but it'll still be weak. It won't heal as strong as other locations. And then as well as it is slower to heal because of where it's at, it receives less blood flow, which makes it a longer, a longer recovery time. Anyways, so yeah, let's uh, go back to the question. Who do you think is going to step up in the Debo Samuel absence? Um, I'm, I think I'm going to have to go with... Um, ooh, snap. Brandon Ayuk or KB Kendrick Bourne. I'd say those are the two that are sticking out in my head. Potentially Dante Pettis. Really, potentially any of our guys. We have a bunch of guys that are right in that like spectrum to where they could step up. I mm-hmm. think it's anybody's game at this point. Yeah. I think that the most likely scenario is that Kendrick Bourne is probably going to... So it's kind of tough. It really is a tough question. I can see you going both ways because... I think Kendrick Bourne was probably the number two wide receiver coming into the season anyways, right? With Brandon Ayuk, uh, he doesn't have the offseason activities. And even Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel came out last year and said, I didn't think I was ever going to learn the playbook. It was that complicated. Kyle Shanahan's playbook is so complicated that he truly believed that he was just never going to get it. And there's very few things in this world where people just say, I don't think I'm ever going to learn this. So with Brandon Ayuk not having the offseason activity with the teams, with the mini camps and the rookie camps and all that kind of stuff, there's a good chance that he may not come out as strong as he would have. And I think that it's fair to to kind of give him a pass for this year in general if he doesn't have a great year just because of the complicated playbook, him being a rookie, a faster game, that kind of stuff. Well, I think probably Kendrick Bourne was going to be the guy. I don't know. 
Yeah, I like Kendrick Bourne as the guy to step up. Just Brandon Ayuk out of his skill set and his... He profiles more as what Debo Samuel does mm-hmm. with the rack, run after catch yardage. I mean, he's not quite the big body guy that Debo somehow ends up being, even though he's only like 5'11", I think. I actually really like that. So what you're saying is that Kendrick Bourne was going to be the number two guy. Yeah. But that because Kendrick Bourne's pretty much going to fill that same role that he was going to fill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he doesn't have the skill set for the run after catch yardage yeah. and it's mm-hmm. yeah. not who he is. So then Ayuk is just going to step into where Debo was at. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah, I don't know if we ever had a number one receiver. Just speaking, we had a bunch of guys that were, I mean, Debo was, I mean, obviously the best receiver. So we do have number one, but he wasn't like a Julio Jones or an Odell or a Mark Cooper that like that pure number one guy. Mm-hmm. It was still, you have to have the rest of the team. Of course you do, but even you have to lean on them even more than you do if you're and star yeah people think that Debo's going to break into that like top 10 top 12 type wide receiver this year that, that he has that potential and he might uh and it's kind of tough with him being gone he did look good in those offseason uh little videos that he sends out so that's tough to say what do you think about Pettis you think that this is his chance to come back and get back on the good graces of Kyle Shanahan I think if he ends up on the team which is still for question by the way yeah there's no guarantee that he ends up on the team but I think if he does not show something this year with the opportunity he's been given, then I think it's the last year that we really try him out. I think we, if he doesn't succeed this year, we figured out he's a bust per se and mm-hmm. move on. Yeah, man, it's tough. I don't know what to think about Dante Pettis. To be honest, I really don't know what to think. He just is, he's so talented. Like you see it occasionally. We were watching a couple plays and you see him just make a couple phenomenal plays, but then he just doesn't have that kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say what he doesn't have, what he does have. I can say that he is talented, but for some reason he's just not putting it together with the 49ers and with Kyle Shanahan. Once you get into Shanahan's kind of doghouse, it's kind of hard to get out. We saw that with Pettis first, but then we saw that with Brita as well. Right? Even though Brita had been a workhorse for us for a couple of years, he kind of fell in that doghouse. So we'll see what happens with Pettis. I think you're right, though. Um, this is his last year with us if he doesn't put it together. Yeah. And then the kind of unfortunate part of this as well is that Richie James, this could have been his chance as well to kind of step up and stand out um, while Debo was out. And there's the Richie James is on the is on the the roster bubble as well as far as making the team, so he may not survive even the chance to come back just because of the other players that we have available. Yeah, do you think there's any chance that Trent Taylor steps up and becomes? Anything back to the he was in, what was the 2018 season? Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a really good point that I really wasn't thinking about, is that Trent Taylor, I kind of kind of fell to my back of my mind. But, yeah, man, Trent Taylor could absolutely step up and do that. Trent Taylor, they said last year, was the best player on the field. That was the best player. And we didn't talk about Jalen Hurd either. Yeah. I, I just don't think Jalen Hurd's going to put it together this year, just for the pure fact of what is Jalen Hurd. There was rumors of him being a flex tight end receiver, Running back, I just don't think he's ever going to be that number one guy. I think he's always going to be the utility guy. You can use him here, or there, but it's going to be practically his rookie season. What if we bring in Josh Gordon? Uh, I mean, maybe if he gets reinstated, yeah. would you be excited? 
I'd be excited to see him. I just don't think it's going to happen. No snap. My guess says it won't happen. It's like the Antonio Brown. There's a rumor going around that Niners might be interested in AB. Would you be excited about that? No. No? No. Why not? Uh, I The culture that we have built in our locker room, I don't want to see AB come into. Do you think that maybe we could turn the culture around for him? Because we. So what do you think maybe the, the core of the 49ers team could withstand Antonio Brown and maybe we would help him? Kind of come back to who he was. I'm not a Patriots fan, but if the Patriots couldn't do it, and the Patriots are, like, they were the team of the decade. They were, I mean, just the, if we don't like you, we're going to let you go. And even if we do like you, we're going to let you go. They don't deal with it, and AB couldn't fix it there, and only he's going to fix it anywhere. Maybe that isn't the right culture, though. It was because the, the culture or the Patriots, isn't it's either fit in or leave. Where the culture for the Niners is, we're a family, we're here for each other, right? So maybe the softer, kinder, and anybody say that Kyle Shanahan's soft and kind? I don't know. He seems kind of hard and rough, yeah. but uh, he's uh, at least a little bit, um, I think he, he plays that, that balance pretty well. And that's, uh, I think that's the argument, is that the 49ers have such a strong culture within the locker room that they would be able to withstand an Antonio Brown. And that Lynch, we know for a fact, though, that Lynch and, Shan- and Lynch and Kyle would 100% just sever ties from Antonio Brown if he became too much of a cancer within the locker room. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see it happen. I mean, it wouldn't be, I guess, the worst thing in the world to happen, but I don't want to see it happen. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm not really looking forward to an Antonio Brown on the team. I now the skill and the talent would be super awesome, but I, you know I, I really like the team. I think our wide receiver core has a chance to be really great this year. It has a chance to be kind of mediocre as well. We're kind of missing still that veteran presence. Um, so we'll see. A little bit off track, but do we look at same things that we kind of did last year? Midway through the year, we look for a trade, pick up a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, probably not Amanda Sanders again this year, of course, but a guy yeah. that kind of fills that role. I think it's tough, you know, with with kind of how they play the draft. I mean, it's a great idea, potentially, if we need it. I think that they will look at that. If, if they think that that's the missing piece, I think that Lynch and Shanahan for sure will do whatever they can to make that happen, to make sure that we have that presence to, to go to the playoffs and beyond if, we, if we're able to. But... Again, with the draft picks, it's kind of tough. You know, you give up draft capital, and then are you going to not sign them like we did Sanders? However, I just don't think that Lynch is not playing by the same rulebook as a lot of other GMs when it comes to the draft. Right? I mean, you look at what he did, and just what we do in the draft, you just can't predict it. They pick players that don't make any sense, and then a trade happens a round or two later, or the next day or two days later, and you're like, oh, now that makes sense. They're so good at keeping what their game plan is secret that they can come out and they, they can kind of just move around in the draft. Now, I don't know. that It's still too early to tell whether or not they were drafting the right players, but the way that Lynch is able to move around within the draft is masterful for sure. So I, I think that if, if we needed to, we'll definitely do it. Um, I would like us to see to keep our draft capital to kind of give us more ammunition and build the team. Um, but, yeah, I think that that's definitely an option. I don't think it happens unless Debo Samuel 
has recurring injuries or recurring problems within the injury mm-hmm. to where he doesn't ever come back. And then we're just having like a mediocre receiver room without Debo. Then I could foresee it happen. But but even with Debo, we could potentially still have a great wide receiver core, right? I mean, if yeah, Trent without, Taylor comes back and it yeah, does, without, without, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, without, yeah. Sorry. With Trent Taylor. And if Trent Taylor steps up and becomes Trent Taylor, right? Man, that's pretty awesome. If um, Brandon Ayuk just happens to just put it together, right? And, I, and I'm completely wrong. And he's like, you know what? I've been playing football since I was... You know, five years old, which I don't think he actually has. He's kind of a, a raw kind of prospect a little bit with some of his experience. But um, if Brandon comes in and just puts it together automatically and then you have Jalen Hurd comes out and just crushes it, right? And now you're looking at a couple what-ifs. However, we said the exact same thing about our secondary last year and what happened. Yeah, that flopped. All of the what-ifs worked out. That's nah, not all of them. Kyle Witherspoon, what if did not work out? But the other players worked out. Yeah, I mean, people kind of put it together, and Kyle Witherspoon actually did work out for the first what four games of the season until he got hurt, and then he wasn't able to put it back together. The first four games of the season put us in the Super Bowl. No, but you could see why no. they did it. But my point is, is that we went into the secondary last year saying this is the reason we're not going to make the Super Bowl, and the secondary. While it could be argued they were a weakness at certain points, they were definitely good enough to make the Super Bowl, and they stepped up and did it. And the same thing could be said for the wide receiver core, where we're thinking we're weak in this, and the coaches are like, we have the talent already on the roster. Yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I. It's a lot of what-ifs, though. It is a lot of what-ifs, and it's more likely that it's not all going to work out yeah, I think if anything's going to work out, it's going to be something like what happened last year. Like, one player, like Kill Witherspoon for the secondary, isn't working out, and then mm-hmm. Emmanuel Mosley steps up, some guy that no one was expecting. Yeah, and we forgot about Kendrick Bourne in that scenario as well. Yeah, I think if it's going to be something, if anything's going to happen like that, like your what-if scenario, I think it's mm-hmm. going to be more like what happened last year. Okay, we spent a lot of time, a lot more time than we meant to, talking about wide receivers. In the end, uh, we just don't know who's going to step up for, San- for Debo. We just don't. Right, I mean, there's just there's a lot of players, a lot of potential. We didn't even get into um, Jennings and all the other players, right? So there's there's a lot of people that could step up and potentially, you know, step in for him and really stand out. Uh, Pettis and Kendrick Bourne and Brandon Ayuk and Trent Taylor. I think they're definitely all four of those you could kind of see stepping up and really having a great year. Hopefully, they all do it together. Anyways, we're going to get on the Kyle Shanahan contract, and that's the last thing we're going to talk about. But we just kind of want to briefly cover it. I know it's a little bit of old news, a little bit uh, kind of surprising to see it drop. I'm not sure that ever anybody was really expecting a Kyle Shanahan contract. Three years into a six-year deal, he was given another three years to be a total of six years. So at the end of this contract, that'll mean he would have been the head coach for the 49ers for nine years. Years. So why why did Shanahan get a three year extension only three years into a six year deal? Well, probably because the owner had some PTSD from Jim Joe English from Harbaugh. Yeah, I would say that he definitely messed up the Harbaugh thing. Um, there was definitely a lot of contention in Harbaugh, and there was a power struggle between Harbaugh and Bulky. And Bulky won that power struggle with um, with the York family, right? The York family picked Bulky over Harbaugh. 
That was a mistake. And it put us into another era of darkness. Unfortunately for the 49ers, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, this, this deal's different. And I heard another podcast, I wish I could remember which one it was, say that, you know, with previous regimes, you just felt like the, the 49ers were going to get it wrong every time. Like, you just didn't feel, I didn't trust them. I didn't feel like I could trust them to make the right decisions for the team to bring us forward a, to a better, uh, brighter place, right? But with this regime, I just feel like they're making all the right moves, right? They're extending Shanahan. They're signing the right players. They're extending the right players for the most part. They're doing what they, they need to do to make sure the team is better. Uh, but I, I hasn't always felt like that. So I think you're right. I think that uh, it's a little bit of PTSD. Now, this is a little bit of an interesting question. Can you think of any other coach that you would take over Shanahan? So we'll kind of do a play on that. Is any player tradable? Is there any other active coach right now that you would rather have than Shanahan? Hmm. It's interesting. Would you take, okay, let's say, would you take Belichick? No, I don't want Belichick over Shanahan. No? No. Yeah, Belichick's kind of a bum, huh? He's just boring. Nah, he's not a bum. He's, <laughs> he's boring a... to see, man. <laughs> he's well, boring, but he's also older, right? So <laughs> I know, I'm sarcasm, but I don't know if there was. Just for the fact of Shanahan's work, and he took us to the Super Bowl. I mean, he's got a little bit to prove, I guess, to an extent. He's got a little bit to prove. Mm-hmm. He's been to two Super Bowls, lost them both. But... I don't know. I'd take Shanahan over probably anybody at this point. Just because yeah. we have nothing to say that he isn't going to step up and become the next Belichick of the NFL. Yeah, I agree with that. I uh, I would take Shanahan over everyone in the NFL right now. And that includes, um, that includes Belichick. Um, it's kind of ironic because when we got Shanahan, they... The rumors in the street was that Adam Gase, the head coach of the Jets, was our was our number one pick for a head coach, and we didn't get him. Right, that was what everybody was saying. So, would you rather have Adam Gase or Kyle Shanahan? Are you being serious with this I'm question? Just asking. Well, I think that's an obvious Shanahan. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I think it's an obvious Shanahan. So it's kind of interesting that maybe we lucked into having the the better coach and maybe the best coach in the NFL. I yeah. think he probably is. He's definitely one of the best offensive minds in the NFL right now. The Jets are still seeing ghosts, so I don't know what's happening. Dang, that's cold. That's cold, man. <laughs> I like it. Anyways, yeah, so what I found interesting is that I really expected it. The first thing I thought when I heard the Shanahan contract is, what about John Lynch? You know, why are we not hearing a John Lynch contract? And what are your thoughts? Why do you think we didn't hear the John Lynch contract? I think they're trying to put John Lynch into the uh, president or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, team president. Yeah, team president. So that way we can have the assistant GM step up to the GM role. Because the way it's looking, Sol- I was, we heard on a podcast the other day that Robert Sala, after this year, may go somewhere else and be a head coach and take our assistant GM with us. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Which- yeah, Peters. So Adam yeah. Peters. Adam Peters, that's it. Yeah, because yeah. Lynch, you know, he he never been in front office, right? He was a player, of 
course. And then he was an analyst, and then he came. So one of the first things that Lynch did when he was hired as GM is he brought in Adam Peters. When he brought in Adam Peters, Adam Peters is the personnel guy, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, potentially we promote Lynch to, you know, team president or whatever the title may be. And then then we promote Adam Peters to GM. But then there's the question of whether or not he's willing to kind of take a back seat, having a president of football personnel or football activity over him, right? And that's that's kind of back and forth. I think it would be an awesome, awesome idea, but I would really hate to lose Sala and Adam Peters all at the same time. I don't want to lose either one. Yeah, me neither. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think the reason why they said that um, the Shanahan contract was really done pretty much right after the Super Bowl, and they're still working on the Lynch contract. So hopefully we hear a Lynch extension here soon. I think he's done a great job. Even if he's not the one making all the, the decisions as far as final personnel, they say that Shanahan, and even if he's not the one managing, uh, doing the exact picking of every single player because he's the talent expert, right? And it's Adam Peters. One thing that Lynch has shown that he's able to do is he's able to bring all these teams together. He's able to to match Shanahan's desires with the and make and make it happen, right? He's able to kind of bring everybody together, kind of put his ego aside, and let Shanahan kind of take the lead. And not every GM's that way, and that's tough, right? So that'd be tough with Lynch bringing in somebody else if he walked away. And some people are like, "Well, is Lynch really even doing anything, or is it all Shanahan?" Well, Lynch is that kind of overarching guy who's kind of leading, making sure that the coach's desires happen um, and and kind of helping lead from the front and to the side as well and letting Shanahan take that lead in certain areas. So I think think it's a good pairing. Yeah, get Shanahan what he wants as well as getting Saul what he wants and needs for his defense. And there's a lot of different things going on there in that front office, which John Lynch is balancing very well. I love that it's we don't hear anything from the front office either. Before it was like everybody was talking about, you know, what was happening. There was all kinds of leaks. There was all kinds of crazy stuff happening everywhere. So I'm super excited that the team's kind of got their stuff together, and they're being super cautious about conscious about what is coming in and out of the office uh, into the into the press. Anyways, do you have anything else, Wyatt? No, I do not. Okay, well, we're gonna. Start doing a couple podcasts. Um, we're probably going to do a couple more this week, and then we're going to maybe start doing one or two every month, or every not every month, but every week. Probably do two or three, actually. We'll see how it all plays out. Um, but thank you guys, and we're excited about starting up the podcast and continuing on through the rest of the year. Yeah.